This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Now in our second decade of bringing you the best independent New York Red Bulls news and opinion with your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Joe Goldstein. It's a four-point week for New York, who's solidly in fourth place in the East. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. This week on the show, um, a solid road win in Atlanta and then another disappointing performance at home. Uh, leaves New York kind of fair to Midland and wondering exactly just how this regular season is going to end up. Uh, we'll give our Bull of the Week. We'll preview Inter-Miami CF coming into Red Bull Arena on Saturday night. We'll go around MLS. And then after the break, we'll talk about Jochen Schneider's performance during his welcoming intro press conference and what it means for the future of the team and what it means... Um, for the future of Red Bull ownership of this team. I'm Mark Fishkin. I'm here with Joe Goldstein. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mark. How are you on this fine day? I'm well. I'm, you know, it's late summer, right? It's, it's the dog days. We can say it's the dog days of summer. Um, sure. I'm, I'm really ready to be done with 86 degree days. I, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm ready for, yeah. for fleece and I'm ready for jeans and I'm ready for crunchy leaves and not just crunchy leaves because there's a drought on. I mean, I want like a crunchy, <laughs> I want the tr I want you know Autumn Man from the yeah. Onion right S walking around Boston Common with his uh, with his hot coffee. I I'm ready for fall, and I I'm yeah, pretty I confident the Red Bulls are too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think uh, uh, traditionally they're a little bit of a summer swoon, and and this year has been rough since the beginning of July. Yeah, it certainly has. Yeah. Although the team is three three and three in their last nine. Um, league matches and you know that's kind of good enough to keep you up and that's where the Red Bulls are right now I want to get into the the match against uh, Cincinnati um, the, the Torcida 96 had had a message uh, before the game to to the Red Bulls which was you know we're behind you get it together and um, with Morgan and Lucinius and Aaron Long on the bench third game in eight days um, it, it looked not together at the start. Yeah. I mean, I think overall still the first half was the better half for this team. Uh, but yeah, there was, there was a little bit uh, of unease. I think you look at that set piece goal that Miazga scores. You got John Tolkien marking Miazga. That's already not a great matchup. As much as I love Tolkien, he just doesn't have the height uh, uh, to keep up with him. He drops off, and then Dan Edelman picks him up. I mean, both both of those guys. But they stand on each other's shoulders Miazga. and try to take on Miazga. Yeah. So, uh, despite otherwise good defensive performances from those guys, I think that you know when you're lining up a set piece, you got to get a bigger body on a guy like Miazga. And I know it's it's tough when you've got uh, Brandon Vasquez out there and other good players uh, that are dangerous in the air. That that's a tall back line that can cause problems. Uh, but that was a little bit disappointing. Um, more disappointing, I think, was 
the number of of decent looks that the Red Bulls got themselves in the first half and either uh, uh, struggled to get the ball on frame, missed open passes, errant touches here and there. I mean, it's it's kind of par for the course for the season, but it, it was definitely frustrating. Um, I'm glad that they were able to get the, the PK call, you know, maybe uh, a little tiny bit fortunate that that gets overturned. I'm glad about that. I think it's good that it, they reviewed that. So whoever is doing the VAR, great job. But, I mean, outside of, of those early chances and then that PK, whew, this was a barren offensive game. Yeah, it seemed in the first half every pass was was two-touch going back out, right? It, it wasn't – there was zero crispness going on. Um, and you could just see it. It, it looked – pre-season-y at times going forward. And yeah, Lukinas wasn't there. And yeah, they were a little bit rotated for sure. Yeah, I mean, big ups. I mean, the the collision where Andres Reyes earned the penalty was so fast. Yeah. Um, and, and again, as you said, Joe, huge ups to VAR for calling uh, Elfath over and, and having to take a look. And I mean, the fact that Reyes could even get up after getting smashed in the foot. Um, and we have to say, well done, uh, uh, Klamala for converting his first goal yep. since May. Um, and then after that, I mean, the second half was just, I mean, Daniel Edelman certainly wants that back, that chance that came late where he he put it wide. It seemed, even with the addition of the players who were being rested, you know, Cincinnati once again comes into Red Bull Arena and as as an opposing team says, yeah, I'll take a point. Sure, that's great. And content to sit back in New York in the, in the warm weather, unable to really do much about it. A little bit of the gang that couldn't shoot straight. And so they walk off after yet another non-win at Red Bull Arena. Red Bulls now have won three of 13 matches. Uh, they are no longer the best home team in MLS since Red Bull Arena opened. I think that falls to Seattle now. Not that they're crushing it either, but um, just... I think a night that went wanting and and just think about Joe 13 times they've played at home um only 3 times the fans have gone home happy and you have to say to yourself you know all these people that had come to the arena to see them play whether they're first timers whether they're first time in a long time that remember big crowds and big wins and strong performances and lethal attacking it's just not there. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. I think over the last you know, seven or well, I guess you could you could date it back to uh, on rejoining the team in 2010. But a lot of those teams were pragmatic too, and they weren't necessarily beautiful to watch. But they were getting results at home, and that that's not happening right now. When you look at at the team you talked about, you know they they looked. Uh, uh, disjointed they look like maybe they were hurrying themselves and i think a lot of that comes from uh, the way that cincinnati wanted to play the game however i think in conjunction um with moving the ball quickly you still have to be smart about those passes uh play in in sort of triangles and if you want to get forward you gotta push that back line uh, uh away from the midfield stripe and you want to see a guy like klimala who was known for uh, making runs in behind, make runs in behind. You gotta, you gotta look for those over the top moments. You have to look for uh, a, a way to get a solid backline 
uh, uh, to drop a little bit and give you space underneath. And that's where that Edelman uh, chance comes from, is doing that exact thing, something that other teams have done to the Red Bulls this year. So a little disappointed there. I mean, yes, they got uh, to rest some guys. They still got a point at home. It's a four-point four week. week. That's all that is good news. We look at this season, and we, we sound so uh, uh, apocalyptic about the, the team. They haven't dropped below fifth place this year. Not once. No. They, they, they've they remained towards the top. It's not the best that we've seen. I don't expect this team to be challenging for MLS Cup, looking like they are right now. Uh, but, I mean, it has to be better. You win half those games at home, you're in first place. You're maybe challenging for the Shield. It, well, it's, and, it's really and I think that's... That's that's the apocalyptic part, right? I mean, yeah. that that no one I think is looking at this team and saying, "Well, they're a cup contender." No one, because because the shortcomings are so evident, and the team did not fix them in the transfer window by and large. And so, yeah. you, you know, the the scene from Hoosiers where uh, Gene Hackman is confronting the fans who all they want to see is Jimmy Chitwood, and he's pointing at the boys and goes, "This is your team." This is your team, and I feel like that's what what this is. And you can you can either celebrate or vilify Struber for what he's gotten out of this squad. Um, but yeah, I mean, do do they look like a playoff team unless there's a significant collapse? I think they do. Do they look like a threat to win MLS Cup? No, I don't think they do. And so the question begs to be asked, and we've talked about it: run to the semifinals of the Cup possibility of hosting a home game at a place where they can't win at home is that does that make a good season and it i guess hosting a playoff game means it's a better season for this team that has gone sixth sixth and seventh uh in, in the last three seasons but you don't really get the sense that 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 the ceiling moves past uh either of the teams ahead of them and They'll be playing each of those teams as we go down the stretch, and that'll be a really good, um, you know, yardstick to see. Well, you know, can they really contend? But let's let's give our bowl of the night against uh, against Cincinnati. You can even throw in uh, the match in, in Atlanta as well and call it a bowl of the week. And I'm curious who you might think. Hmm. Um, you know, I think if we're including the Atlanta match in there. Uh, just from the two performances, you know, the goal that uh, uh, aside that Miazga scores, I'm going to give it to Edelman, who I think has shown really well in that defensive midfielder spot. It's a big step up for him. He uh, sometimes struggles with maybe being a little bit too physical and getting himself caught up in young cards, and and that that didn't really happen here, and uh, it's it's good to see. I'm going to give mine to John Tolkien, who not only scored his first goal, um, you know, of the year in in MLS, uh, but made the MLS team of the week, and uh, you know, continues to impress. And he's, you know, getting looks from other country uh, from other countries' teams, perhaps, and all that good stuff. All right, um, let's quickly pivot to Miami, um, Inter Miami, Saturday at 7 p.m. The Red Bulls host Inter Miami on Fireworks Night. Not just Fireworks Night, Joe. It's 90s Fireworks Night. Um, so I guess a lot of Urkel, I guess, perhaps we'll see. 
Um, in, <laughs> Miami is 10, 10, and 6 for 36 points. They're tied for fifth in the East, but sixth after tiebreakers. Um, they're two points above the line, which, you know, for Miami, this is, uh, this is exciting stuff. They've never been this close this late. They do have the worst defense of any of the teams that are above the line. They're five points, two places below the Red Bulls. They've scored 34 and conceded 42 in 26 matches. Um, you know, they, they've obviously been underwhelming since they joined the league. They had the kind of dicey player acquisition skirting of the rules and penalty. Um, Gonzalo Higuain looks like they've uh, looks like he's finally you know, found his feet. And the team is, after two years, kind of clicking. Um, the defense remains a weak point. Uh, during their five-game unbeaten run, and we'll get to this, they haven't lost in five games. They've conceded nine goals, which means they're scoring quite uh, quite a few goals as well. They have a, uh, a mix of young talents along with experience, like DeAndre Yedlin. They've signed on with uh, with Pazuelo from Toronto as well as Iguain. And you know, you know, it's perhaps they found that balance that's really kind of helped them. Um, they are tenth in the East away from home, two seven and three, matching up with New York's three five and five at home somebody something's got to give somebody has to win all right let's let's look at their <laughs> their last five games um last time out they surprised toronto at home um with a a, a lassiter goal in the 44th minute that was the winning goal before that uh they surprised nyc fc at home and home is in fort lauderdale pazuelo a brace in that match including the game winner in the 84th minute a 2-2 draw at Montreal, which is a tremendous, tremendous result, given how well Montreal's been playing. Iguain and Emerson Rodriguez scored um, in that game. Before that, they went out to San Jose and won 1-0. And then before that, a 4-4 crazy, very Cincinnati-like draw in Fort Lauderdale, where they got the, the, the tying goal in the 97th minute. So, you know, once again, a team that knows how to push the end of the game and and get meaningful goals at the end of the game. Miami beat New York 2-0 in Fort Lauderdale on May 22nd this year. That was the start of their uh, kind of deep south, southeast uh, poor outdoor performance. The teams have met five times. The Red Bulls lead 3-2-0. Um, the home side has won the last two matches. Leading scorers all time include Omir and Patrick uh, Klamala and Fabio, each with two goals against uh, Inter. And then the active scorers are Omar and Klamala. Um, the most likely 11 for uh, Neville, Drake Callender, an American, three clean sheets in 18 games and 27 conceded. DeAndre Yedlin on the right with two assists. Damian Lowe. The longtime Jamaican international with a goal and an assist, Ryan Saylor, a young American center back, and then Christopher McVeigh, a Swede with a goal and an assist on the right. This is a four-two-three-one that Neville play. Jean, Jean Mota from Brazil with two goals and two assists. Robert Taylor, a Finn with three goals um, as the as the right mid. Uh, Gregoire, I had I'd skipped over uh, with two assists. Uh, the other number six in, in addition to, to Jean Mota. There's Alejandro Pazuelo, the number 10 right now. Six goals and six assists for the year. Ariel Lasseter, the son of Rocket Roy Lasseter, with three goals and two assists. And then there's Gonzalo Higuain with 
eight goals and three assists. He's not just smoking cigarettes during matches. He's trying to actually figuring out what it takes to win. So, I mean, we ask this question every week, uh, Joe. The, the, the team will have three matches in eight games, and this is the kickoff to that. They, they will not have played midweek. So the question is, it's your first game in a week. You've got to get excited and ready to go. Um, what do you see out of this game with Miami? Well, I mean, I think the big thing here is getting uh, a a first choice eleven onto the field, getting them uh, 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 rotation at home against a a team that even though they're playing well, they are beatable. It would be nice for them to uh, uh, get out there, get Lewis Morgan, uh, Manuel, I believe, is in uh, training at least. You know, maybe we'll see some uh, minutes from him. Uh, but getting uh, guys on the ground, rotating them uh, uh, a minimal amount for the rest of the year as the playoffs are coming because you need them to have this familiarity and to have this uh, sort of rhythm that they they desperately need to find. I think uh, throughout the year, one of the things that's been a real challenge is the constant churn of the lineup makes it difficult for, I think, a lot of players. Uh, getting Lewis Morgan back out there and seeing him defend like he did against Atlanta it would be a, a, a big plus. Um, but you got to look at this Miami team right now and realize that they're a pretty big threat. Pozuelo has slotted in really nicely. Very nice. And they're getting big results against a lot of teams. And um, when you look at the Red Bulls on the opposite end of that, where they're struggling to close out games, Miami is a team that can absolutely take advantage of you, even if you get a lead on them, uh, similar to like what we saw with the Colorado uh, match where – Red Bulls jump out to this huge lead and then just struggle to hold it. So this is going to be a dogfight. I hope to see more minutes out of uh, Andreas Reyes, who I think has been playing really well. Edelman keep getting him out there. I think he's doing really well, although this is a big uh, uh, assignment for uh, the young guy to take on Pazuelo in the midfield. There's definitely going to need to be uh, help in some form. Can the Red Bulls win this game? Absolutely. But we I, we still don't know week in and week out which team is going to show. Well, let, let me ask you, you started off um, your piece on Miami with saying, can New York get the best 11 out there? I will ask you, define the best 11 for New York right now. Who is the best 11? I mean, I know despite his production, he's still going to have Klimala up top. You need Morgan and Lucinias both on the field. Omir Fernandez is the leading assister in – the roster. I don't. He's been persona non grata for a little while now. I don't know why he's uh, struggling to get on the field. I know that maybe his finishing is certainly not uh, in the elite status, but he's a guy that makes things happen while he's out there. I think uh, Drew Yearwood should be on the field week in and week out. Um, and this is where it gets tricky. Who do you bring in as that that second uh, midfielder? Frankie with him? Amaya has lost his if, starting job. It's true. If it's Yearwood, I still think him and Amaya together were a terrific partnership. I'd like to see Yearwood and Edelman uh, a little bit. I don't love Yearwood and Caceres, despite yeah. uh, both of them having good offensive output. It's it's tough when you have both of them in the lineup to protect the back line, and that's going to be a huge thing against Miami. And then the back line of uh, Tolkien, uh, uh, Nealis, Reyes, Long, uh, and Duncan, how, how many? How many defense? You, you're playing with. You're, you're doing oh, five, I, three, five in the back. 
uh, five in the back. How many did I put yeah, on? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, that's true. Did you I didn't do have a right? left wing, okay. so that's okay. All right, yeah. Um, that is, to me, the best 11. Okay. Yeah. You had mentioned uh, how strong Miami is late in games. Uh, the forecast calls for overcast skies and a real feel of about 82 at kickoff. Um, so, you know, perhaps that favors Miami. And again, as we talked about, this match kicks off the last time that the Red Bulls play um, three games in eight days this season, home for Montreal. Uh, excuse me. They're home for Miami. They're at Montreal on Wednesday, and then they're home on Labor Day weekend for Philly, which is... That's a big one. I mean, they're all big ones. Every one of them is a big one. Every one of them is a big one. If they can come out of this week with six or seven points, uh, I mean, they they will be a playoff team, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and as it stands right now, they're six points above the line with, um, you know, with a wins tiebreaker. Uh, they're... You know they're they're in decent shape as it comes to playoffs. All right, let's go around MLS real quickly, and that we're just focusing on the games that matter here. Tenth um, place Charlotte takes uh, hosts eleventh place Toronto that can't really seem even with their expensive players to get uh, a whole lot of traction. Yeah, and this is Charlotte at home. I know I said that last time, and they're yep. losing, but I'm going to pick. They got here. smoked. Sure did. Yeah. Okay. Um, hell is real again. Cincinnati uh, welcoming, and I use that term light, lightly. Columbus, who's seventh in the uh, in the East. Cincinnati at home, don't trust them. I call it a draw. Uh, the Union are steamrolling people. If they played DC United every week, they would have a, a goal differential of like a thousand. They finished <laughs> their two games against DC with a plus thirteen. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Against a team uh, that the Red Bulls couldn't score against, they host Colorado. I mean, you got to think that this is all Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Fire in 12th hosting Montreal. I mean, Chicago's, mm, call- Chicago got smacked this weekend by uh, NYCFC at SeatGeek Stadium. It was a retro. Uh, that, that I mean, that second goal, come on. Excuse me? No, that second goal, I don't know. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll pick this as a draw. Okay, that would that would be helpful. Although, even only five points behind Montreal, I, I don't see the Red Bulls catching them unless they win on Wednesday. Um, then let's turn our attention to Sunday. Atlanta, thirteenth, uh, and DC United, fourteenth. Um, it's not happening yet for Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it'll happen here. I think Atlanta beats them. Okay. Um, NYC got a win in Chicago. As we said, they're up to third in the East. They're four points out of the Red Bulls. They travel to a surprising Orlando, now fifth. I don't think that Orlando can haul off City. I think City gets the win here. How do you root for either of these teams? Uh, you don't. I don't even know what the best. <laughs> I guess a draw is the best result. There you go, yeah. Right? Uh, he- and then uh, the Revs hosting the Galaxy late on Sunday. New England is eighth in the East. They're one point below the line. Uh, the Galaxy aren't very good. i got to pick New England on this one. Yeah, it's a long trip. And then lastly, our match Saturday night, 7 o'clock, 90s fireworks night. Maybe Rhett Hardy is going to come out and you know start the fireworks show since it's 90s night. 
maybe Patufo will come out. It's um, the Red Bulls hosting Inter-Miami CF. Trying to think of, is it worse to lose two to one or is it worse to lose three nothing? Probably three, probably two to one because uh, I'll tell you why. Because if you lose it at the end of the game, the, the, you're up one nothing for majority of the match and you give up two goals late. That I think is worse. That's better than just getting smoked. Yeah. I think if you get smoked, it's just like, all right, well, there's nothing to expect to go from the elation of a win to a loss is pretty bad. I'm going to pick two to one Miami. I until this team wins a game at home again, I can't pick them. Yeah, and Serge Goma is still uh, out for late game heroics, so I'm going to call it a two-two draw. Uh, when we're back on seeing red, we're going to get into Jochen Schneider and his first appearance uh, to the press. Stay with us. Hey, it's Mark. Our next partner has a product I recently became aware of, and that's AG1 from Athletic Greens. So what is AG1? With one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things, really. Um, It's lifestyle-friendly, so whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan like me, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it works with all those diets. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Now, some of you I know take some type of multivitamin. Some of you take multiple multivitamins every day. It's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And with AG1, it's cheaper, and you're getting all those different supplements yourself. It costs less than $3 a day. So if you're investing in your health, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Uh, Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company, and for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy... Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now... Back to Seeing Red. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. It's a busy week next week. We'll have our Seeing Red live at noon on Tuesday, and then the Red Bulls play on Wednesday, and then I think we'll do a podcast on Thursday to set everyone up for the holiday weekend. Joe, what are your plans with holiday weekend? Oh, well, I I, I might be getting down to uh, – uh, well, we'll see if we end up going to – the Red Bull game, but I think that would be your first game in a very long time. It, it might happen. We'll see. Okay. I, I believe that my nephew is going to be playing at the arena at like halftime or something. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So I think that that is a good way to get me back into the building. Um, 
And then other than that, just relaxing. This summer's been nuts. I, I need I need that time to kick back. Yeah. We'll be uh down the shore and watching on local Philadelphia television, I'm sure. <laughs> um on Saturday, head of sport Jochen Schneider met the media. Uh, also had some sit-down time with our guest last week, Steve Cangelosi, talking about the team and his role and all that. Um, you know, Yo- Schneider is very, very excited to be here. He's very excited about the team. He's very excited about Struber. Had nothing but effusive uh, comments about about um, Gerhard Struber. Uh, talked about the fact that the Red Bulls are a big club. They're a big, important club. Uh, talked about the fact that they're an independent club and really said some things about the playoffs that I think outside of that forum would have been met with no controversy whatsoever. But he said, you know, you play the season to get a basically a good playoff berth and then you need momentum and luck. Do you agree or disagree with Herr Schneider? I think everyone that has watched the MLS playoffs would agree with that statement uh, face value. Yeah. Uh, he, he said, you know, winning three times in six years with the supporter shield is, is the kind of success that the team wants to get back to. But at the same time, I think acknowledged that the, the playoffs is, is while well, he didn't use the word crapshoot, in, I, I think Red Bull fans can understand that in many cases it is a crapshoot that, that New York has um, has not yet solved. Um, he said that Red Bull is definitely there to win a title uh, when it comes to playoffs. Momentum luck, unfortunately, the track record in last year's games, in the last year's games is a challenge. We're here to do everything but do it our way. The question I ask is, are you doing everything to win a title? And he said, everything but do it our way. He also said, it's not a good idea to compare New York to the other Red Bull teams. We have to find our way. Right, not independent. We're not a, we're not a, um, uh, a farm team. We're our own thing. Um, and he deflected just about every single question about the summer transfer window, saying that he preferred to look forward to the next window. Um, and... I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, I think there's like a cynical way to look at some of those comments, which is, you know, this is an independent team. They have to find their own way. I mean, many of the supporters have felt ignored by mothership. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of signals that. But I also think uh, one of the things that they uh, have continued to sort of espouse the ideal of is to find these players and develop them internally as opposed to go out and spend a whole bunch on the transfer market, which there is probably a way to balance those two things to create a championship squad, but it's a lot harder if you're just going from the development side. And I think we've seen that uh, play out to fruition in both the first and second teams over the last couple of years. And so it seems like it seems like they the idea of success is the same that the supporters feel is the ideal of success to a degree, which is to have a team that is capable of challenging for the supporter shield year after year. I think that that only happens when you get the balance of development and transfer spending right. And 
it's great for, for guys to come in and to talk about the Red Bull way and we're going to do this and we're independent and don't compare us to the other teams or we're going to compete for trophies. We want to find playoff success. But the words will will forever sound hollow until they're not. And you got to see the, the spend. You have to see that this team looks like it's being cared for uh, in some way. I think that's been a, a pretty troubling thing over the last couple of seasons is it really feels like they are on an island. And despite getting decent personnel in leadership positions, um, Kevin Thelwell and Struber are fairly good at their jobs and came in and did an, an okay job so far. Uh, but you need to see continuity. You need to see that they are uh, uh, looking to uh, bring in good players. You want to see Struber sounding like he's satisfied with the squad and not just looking at uh, uh, the kids in the locker room and, and kind of shaking his head, despite the fact that there are veterans within the squad and they've spent a good amount of money over the last year compared to what they have in the past, you still want to see that spent in a way that is uh, continually improving the team rather than just risking um, little. A, a, a little to get a big return on investment. I think that's a fantastic synopsis of what the the challenge and the focus is. Um, uh, Schneider was asked, what, what is the Red Bull way? Our way is the style of play we play, high-intensity pressing, counter-pressing. We count on young players with high potential. He said, that doesn't mean I'd rule out signing one or two player veteran players in the future. And Cangelosi mentioned this during our interview last week. He noted that while he was at Stuttgart, he signed Pavel Pardo, the international L3 player who helped them win the German Cup a couple of years later. So, you know, again, the right player, the right player, um, I had a question queued up about, you know, talk about the mystique of the right player and how hard it is to find these types of players, um, especially when there are other pressing teams around the league that seems to either develop them or find them with seeming ease. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, we all have eyes and we can see that not only the arena is mostly empty, we can see that the supporters groups are mostly empty. Um, the Viking Army, I think, has done the best job of all these supporters groups this year filling their stadium. But the, there is an enthusiasm gap um, here that I think could have crescendoed in an Open Cup final at Red Bull Arena. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I think the the summer swoon that started that second half in Orlando has you know, in combination with the underwhelming summer transfer window has unfortunately have, you know, the negative Nancy's uh, ruling the day. When, when the, the message from the new head of sport is literally more of the same, right? I mean, literally mm -hmm. that's what he said. Stay the course, a thousand points of light, stay the course. Um, there's, I think there's an enthusiasm gap there. And I think, yeah. I think, you know, young players who were going to run into the ground, um, isn't necessarily going to get folks in the arena to be frank. And I think that 
winning three games out of 13 at home isn't going to get fans into the arena. And so it'll be 90s fireworks night. That's true. But and fireworks night does get folks out. Absolutely. Um, but it 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 just feels I don't know. You know, you said it, Joe, like the team has not dipped below fifth in the East all season. They've been in fourth place for a little while, and they will continue to be in fourth place at least for the next week or two, given the distance between them and, and teams chasing them and the distance between NYC ahead of them. Um, and so I guess the question is, is moving three or two or three spots up the table with the understanding that the team has easily discernible flaws that weren't fixed during the summer. Is that enticing enough to get people to re up once again? I had a guy reach out to me on Twitter after I posted the, uh, the photo of Torcida 96 with their banner. And he said, Oh my God, what's happened to the South ward? I mean, I haven't been to a game in years, but I don't understand. And, you know, of course, the answer is, well, look, you know, you have to look in the mirror. You said you haven't been there in years. There are lots and lots of people like you that haven't been there in years. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it is COVID. And a lot of it is this team is confounding. And if they had even won three of the games they didn't win at home, I guarantee you it would be a better feeling. I think. Yeah. I don't know if I if I see this team getting past the first round at this point, given how they play at home. Yeah, I th- I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think I think that if you were just going to say we're going to stay the course, and the team is able to start winning these games, and uh, if they're winning uh, with this style that they're currently playing on a regular basis, maybe you can make the argument that sustained success leads to uh, more people in the stands, uh, more enthusiasm, and so forth. The problem is we're not seeing that. We're not seeing the investment in the team maybe uh, at the level that I think most fans would like. And when you're not getting that and you're not winning, then you know the torches start coming out. Um, I think if you look around uh, at the world at all the teams that uh, were pressing over the last, you know, five or six years and becoming successful doing that, they have had to evolve to some degree. I think pressing in general and just the high octane direct route that Red Bull tends to play is kind of on, you know, it it is no longer ahead of the curve. And that's been something that the organization has struggled with since Jesse was here. Uh, You can make the argument that Leeds is playing that way, but I think that there's a little bit more nuance to the way that they're playing the game and that's helping them sort of crack open and, and, and get this, uh, uh, these results early, early on with them. But, uh, with Red Bull, they're not there. And, you know, we talk about the struggling offense. It's, it, it's, it's really not just about a player like Klima struggling. No, no, it's, it's, not. it's about Solely. the way that they approach the attack. And yeah. if, if you're only looking to, you know, put on the afterburners and, and go a million miles per hour, you're going to struggle with all of the little things that are critical to scoring goals and keeping possession in and around the box and, and having those attempts. And I don't know. 
I I want to be more hopeful, but it, it's really going to take actual action from the front office, which we are seeing more of, but it's still not enough. It's going to take the team getting it together when the when the temperatures drop, and yeah. you know running running through people for ninety minutes. And punishing teams that are left. I mean, left on the schedule. I mean, again, to to run down the schedule, it's Miami at Montreal, home for Philly, um, home for the Revs, at City, at Columbus, and Decision Day against Charlotte. And on top of that, um, New York only has seven games left, which is tied for the fewest games um, remaining in the East, which means we're going to have to watch other teams, you know, impact and catch up when the Red Bulls will be idle. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, it was a lot of sunshine from Schneider. And um, if he had been, I think, even a little more understanding about, uh, you know, I understand where the 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 weak spots are. We are going to make a significant uh splash in the in the summer window. You know, we are you know, we're hoping for the best down the stretch and we think we've got the right squad, but we are going to make it even better, you know, for for 2023 and and stick with us and things are good and uh, and all that. Um, and I understand that this, he did say that he understands that the team needs a knockout uh, title. He totally gets that. Um, and he said uh, he's been part of the Red Bull Global since 2015. So it's not that he's new to the organization. Right. He is not. He understands what this is. He understands what MLS is. Um, he wasn't really given a question about the academy, which I think would have been, I think, welcome. Um, and... Again, I had written a number of questions. I, I had planned to ask him a question about Aaron Long, who, as you and I have talked about, Joe, we don't yeah. think he'll be here next year. Um, nope. I had a back and forth with one fan who uh, was admonishing the team for not uh, signing him now. And I was trying to impress upon the fact that his contract is up. He has a choice here. It's not yeah. as if he can say, I am not interested in talking about my my contract after this year or after the season we can negotiate or my, I will be, I will be leaving. Um, or here's my number. The fact is we have no idea what the conversations were between long and the team. But I think after seeing Sean Davis depart and new teams coming on, like in St. Louis, I think, um, I would be very, very surprised if Long was here next year. That doesn't mean he's not going to go all out. He he knows that he needs to maintain his form. He knows that he's he's getting close to a guaranteed spot on on the plane for for Cutter, and so he wants to be on it. So he is going to be playing, you know, as often and making as much of an impact as he can. But I don't believe he'll be here next year, and that's, you know, I think that's what increased free agency means to this league. Um, so it'll be interesting. Nevertheless, we we're, we're a little rambly. Can we? Can I spend ten <laughs> seconds on the NSL for a second? No. Okay. Tell me about this amazing opportunity that's oh. coming to your lap. Oh my, <laughs> my friend Mike Pendleton in Tampa Bay, who's a big rowdies guy, shares this video with this incredibly robotic, stilted um, spokesman talking about how he, this new league. 
The National Soccer League is about to launch because of the extensive market research that this group has done and determined that American soccer is not equipped to reach, and I quote, the top level of game because of the size of the country. This all came out the same day that Jesse Marsh and Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson tattooed Chelsea in the Premier League, but yet American soccer is not good. And in fact, if you go to this website at nslofficial.com, there is actually a passage that says that the future of American soccer is dark. And these gentlemen apparently are here to save the day by, I think, having fans invest. And I'm all for fan-supported teams, but a a brand-new fan-supported league with team names pulled from the uh, the old days of the NASL, including the Diplomats and the Aztecs um, and the Tampa Bay Mutiny, apparently, former MLS team will be playing in this league, uh, as well as the Galacticos, an interesting homage to Real Madrid, and the Liverbirds. <laughs> in any case, um, I, I think when you say league, you got to do air quotes. Uh, league, this yeah. league. Um, and, you know, briefly the, the hubris of the British gentlemen who are trying to work outside of, of us soccer to build something that has never been, uh, you know, seen before. Um, you know, and I, I would just urge these fans to think about, uh, a, a, a team like Detroit city, which was a fan supported team that came out of literally nothing and has been incredibly successful, but eventually realized they had to join the USL championship because their independent league of independent teams was run incredibly poorly and in, in a very shady manner. And so, um, if you're thinking about don't like, just don't give your money to these guys, please yeah. don't. I, I, there is 100% a place for, uh, grassroots fan supported soccer. Yeah. It's not these guys though. No. It's not them. <laughs> it's not Brits catapulting into the country to uh without any awareness of the leagues and teams that exist in this country and in you know in some cases are working on their third decade. Um you know Portland and Seattle have been entities since 74, the Vancouver as well and the notion that the future of US soccer is dark. Um And, you know, I I think trying to play professional soccer in this country outside of U.S. soccer auspices is not going to happen. Um, And really, really interesting. Nevertheless, we digress. Uh, We've come (laughs) to an end of episode 507 of Seeing Red. I'd like to thank Statman Zach Feldman and Joe Goldstein. Joe calls Saturday night's game a 2-1 loss. I'm going to call it a 2-2 draw, which means it's going to be a scoreless draw. Because why not? Enjoy fireworks night. We're back next week. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Get us anywhere you get your podcasts and always at seeingredny.com.